Uh, I was contacted by um, a guy a few weeks ago, just before Christmas, who had been involved in uh, an assault. He'd been assaulted on the on the field. He was a referee. Uh, he'd reached out to me um, to, for, for support through the referee forum. I believe I shared that with Martin and Nathan at the time to say, oh, look, this has happened. Um, I offered him the support, gave him the, the network that he needed to go through, made sure he reported it to the police and to the FA and that he got support um, through the, the, the normal channels, if you like. Um, but in this instance, the normal channels said, Shh, just, just keep that to yourself. We'll deal with it. Don't don't tell anyone else. I had a video. We said don't don't share the video. Just keep that to yourself. And it it feels like yes, whilst there is um, a, a framework to deal with uh, indiscipline on the football field towards match officials, there's also a if we don't talk about it, we don't have to acknowledge that it happens to the extent that it does and with, with the frequency that it does as well. everybody welcome to the next edition of the final whistle podcast our second since the lockdown and after christmas so thank you for all your comments and posts and we'll announce the winner of the on the line t-shirt later on in this podcast but i really want to welcome you to um, something that means a lot of referees and the game in itself which is um the respect campaign that the fa has been having now us as a charity have criticised the respect campaign in the past, thinking it could it could be it could be you know a lot better than it is. But we always believed in the in the respect campaign as what it's trying to achieve. And so it's wonderful to be able to find out that um, Nationwide Building Society, if, that, if that's the right term to use, Chris, has got behind the respect campaign. And I think with all the perils that football's facing from grassroots football right up to the top. Having you know a company going to come in and support the respect campaign like Nationwide does, I think it's a wonderful message, and we really hope this can put the respect campaign back on the map and get and have the game coming back out of lockdown and much better games. So I'd like to introduce you to Chris Hull, who's uh, amongst many things he's a broadcaster. He works for um, a company promoting Nationwide, and also interestingly, he's an ex-referee. So, ladies and gentlemen, can I welcome you to Chris Hull? Martin, Welcome. thank you for inviting me to the Final Whistle podcast and uh, thank you to you all. Welcome, uh, Chris. It's really good to have you here and, and good to uh, finally meet you after hearing so much about the, the good work that you've been doing. Well, as someone who has loved the game all my life, just like you guys, and been fortunate enough to work in football all of my career, I'm always thrilled to support Nationwide's efforts. Um, I'm very open to all ideas, thoughts and opportunities to grow Nationwide's mutual respect awards that have just been announced this week and also nationwide support of the FA Respect campaign and people can contact me directly. I'm very accessible through my details on Twitter at Mr. Chris Hull um, or through the programme itself. But I really do appreciate the chance, guys, just to talk very briefly about the great synergy between the FA Respect campaign and also Nationwide, whose aim is to build a society based on mutual respect. Now, the respect campaign, as you guys know, was launched in 2008 and its emphasis on the power of positivity is very important starting in youth football for boys and girls. And that is where nationwide support across the country comes in. 15 million members to spread that message to 
around 650 branches to work with on the high streets in towns and cities across the country. And also Nationwide has a history in football and I think is very much respected through football. And this new Nationwide Respect campaign and its brand new Nationwide Mutual Respect monthly awards, which have just been launched this week, have really been received extremely well. Brand new awards, and you can go onto Nationwide's Facebook page and you can nominate your grassroots respect hero. And the great news for you guys is that it's not just players we're looking for. We're looking for nominators to nominate young players under the age of 18, either boys or girls, coaches, parents, teams, but also referees. Because as you mentioned, Martin, at the top of the programme, over 30 years, I've probably refereed over a thousand games. I know you guys have probably done many, many more. I know what a lonely place it can be but I know how important the figure of a referee is to create in a fantastic environment for everybody to enjoy. So that is why I really appreciate this opportunity to talk to you guys. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant stuff there. It's really interesting to hear that you're a referee, but you're also a big football fan, aren't you? And you follow Blackpool, I believe. Yeah, uh, some people would say that's a contradiction. I was going to say, too. sorry sorry to hear that. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So just well, like basically bubble a little bit. <laughs> Well, listen, we, we, we've got we've got a great new owner and we've got a fantastic supporter base at Blackpool. And that's where I was brought up with football. I actually started doing the hospital radio, which is the reason why I got into the media in the first place. I started doing the hospital radio when I was 13. And actually, in that same year, I became a referee and I took my class three badge, as it was then, mm. at the Blackpool Referee Society. And we had some wonderful people there. And I remember people like George Courtney, and Keith Hackett and so many of the referees of that day coming to the Referees Association and our Blackpool Referee Society. The Argosy Club up on Grange Park in Blackpool, if anybody knows it. And we used to hold monthly, uh, monthly meetings, but also weekly Monday meetings and uh, some great knowledge and some great people passing through there, passing on their knowledge. Yeah, one, of, one of the great shames, I think, of, of the way that the refereeing has progressed between then, as you've just mentioned, to now, is the kind of implosion of, of referee societies and referees association branch meetings back in the day. I remember even when I first started uh, in 2000 and let's say four, five, something like that, I'd go to a society meeting and then there'd be dozens of people there. Um, now you've had so many branch closures uh, and the ones that still operate, unless they're doing really well, like my, the, the branch I'm at is Bootle RA and it's a fantastic one. Um, but there are many like Ellesmere Port Referees Association, the one I first went to when I first started, had to, to close because numbers just dwindled and dwindled and dwindled until they, they went. Um, it, it's great, though, that organisations like Ref Support UK, uh, Referee Forum and, and Nathan with the third team have kind of stepped in to kind of fill that void and offer an online or on the phone kind of support network. But it is a shame that that camaraderie between referees seems to have just dissipated over time. Well, it's interesting you say that because I was having a conversation, a number of conversations about this nationwide mutual respect award, but also uh, the wider nationwide respect campaign in association with uh, the FA. And the target is from nationwide over the next three year period to target one million parents and coaches in the FA respect program. And I know people think that it's a great idea. Of course, like anything, Things can be improved, and that's why I would welcome all ideas about how Nationwide can do their bit to improve it. But the one thing that I've noticed is that I don't think referees are discussed as much at the heart of the respect campaign as they should be, because as we all know, without a referee, the game becomes anarchy, 
Uh, you, we've all tried to, we've all watched games uh, on a Sunday and a Saturday at local level where it hasn't had a referee. And, you know, quite often it descends into farce. Being a referee can be a lonely place. And I think they deserve respect. They deserve um, more opportunity to uh, tell their own story. And I think that referees should be a central part of the uh, FA Respect campaign, which is supported by Nationwide. And if I can do anything for you guys, I'd love to try to promote that. Yeah, that, that, that's, a great, that's a great shout. And it's, it's interesting, really, because when we read through the paperwork on what they said about the Respect campaign, I don't even think the word referee was in it. It was definitely aimed at players and and getting them to behave rather than getting all of us to behave. So I think that's that's really good that you've identified that. And I just like to go that we know there's some wonderful people at the FA, full of wonderful people who really believe in the game. And the same with the RA. What we're talking about the RA there, although the branches are diminishing, they are really trying to step up the game. The RA nationally, and I really hope that you know that does happen. And having campaigns like this just to let people realise that. Referees, believe it or not, are human. Referees, believe it or not, do really love the game. And one of the things that we really like to get out there is that when we do make a mistake, we do dwell on it and we do worry about it. People think if we make an error and now with social media, it can pop up on a video anywhere. When we see it, we really do dwell on it. Some of us have restless nights and it's interesting that with Nathan here, who's going to come in now, with the mental resilience side of it and the challenges referees face, when they know they've made a mistake and they get criticised, it can be a big challenge, mate, can't it? Yeah, definitely. And, I, you know, I think that it's one of the big things that, that we try and obviously help them with, particularly with, um, you know, young, young, newly qualified referees, because that's where probably one of your biggest losses that you would see in the statistics would, would occur within referees who might even do the six games, they might not even get the end of the six games before they get the badge and, and they realise it's not for them. And it's because um, they haven't been helped or equipped with with the tools that they need to deal with club officials, um, parents, spectators, even some of the players, you know, is not great. You know, obviously Chris there talking about um, qualifying at 13 and, you know, quite often, and, you know, I wouldn't even be surprised if Chris was to tell us that he'd he refereed, um, you know, players in a similar age to him. Um, but, you know, when, when young referees are qualifying and, and they're taking games with 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 players who are of a similar age, then it can be very, very difficult for those to, to manage, um, for those guys to manage the games when they haven't had the chance to build up the management skills. Because... It's just the same as anything, really. Um, you know, when you start something new, you need that period of time to grow and to learn and to develop. Um, and that, that's supported to players. You know, you might take, you might have a young player who's a new player. He might come in, he might play 10, 15 minutes, might sub him off. Well done, you did well here, then half an hour the next week. The referee, you've got to referee the whole game. You've got to be in there. And you've, got to, you've got to try and get those big decisions in. You know, I was talking to somebody recently and they were saying about referees and saying people expect us to get everything right straight away for the first time we pick up a whistle. And it's it's a completely backward way of looking at how you would develop a skill. So I think that those are the really important factors that, that probably people don't think about enough is the fact that, you know, the minute you pick up a whistle and you take your first year, you're expected to get absolutely everything right straight away. Nathan, when I was a young referee starting at 13, I was thrust into men's football a year later when I was 14, which was obviously quite an eye-opener and you have to develop a thick skin quite quickly. Um, what I did have, though, at the Blackpool Referee Society was a group of experienced 
referees. And it was a great turnout. It must have been 50 or 60 referees every Monday. And you were able to go the following day on the Monday after a game on the Sunday or a game on the Saturday and chat through your experience. Now, fortunately, you know, the games that I've refereed, and I said I must have refereed at least a 1,000 games over 30 years, the vast majority I've come off feeling, you know, exhilarated and fulfilled that I've contributed to a game. Of course, there have always been decisions that have been contested, but there have been a number of occasions, as you pointed out there, Nathan, where you come off the pitch and you've been verbally assaulted, uh, verbally abused, and, you know, at times as a young referee, felt quite vulnerable. Um, and I was, before I came to chat with you guys, I was looking at some of the work that you had done and looked at some of the stories that you've been involved in. And I saw some research that was independent research that had been recently undertaken. And I think it was by Portsmouth University that stated they'd surveyed 2,000 referees. And of those 2,000 referees, 18% nearly one in five, has said that during their refereeing career on a local level, they had been physically assaulted while officiating, which is really quite staggering. And I just, just from, from your perspective, I wonder whether you feel that discipline on the field at a local level where the vast majority of referees are operating, whether discipline is getting better or is it getting worse? Well, it's something I've, I've said, you know, and I've said it on a number of times on this podcast. What I feel, Chris, is that, and it's been backed up by a survey um, conducted by the chair of Kick It Out, Sanjay Bandari, um, which basically suggests that since the, the referendum that we had here in 2016, we've actually seen a rise in assaults on referees. We've seen a rise in racial abuse between players and towards match officials. Um, and then... And, Obviously, there's been a lot more in society, um, you know, really sort of invalid views in terms of closed-minded, you know, um, things that I think a lot of people thought had been consigned to history. And I think that um, what we've seen is that basically in our role as referees, we are like policemen in society on the football pitch, and, and, and it's all coming back on us. And... And obviously, Martin has talked at great length and, and is deeply passionate and we're all very, very supportive of the campaign that he's had in terms of trying to um, consign assaults on referees, you know, with, with sort of really improper or unsatisfactory um, punishments. We want, you know, satisfactory punishments for assaults on match officials and things like that. And, and all of these things have been on the rise since since that in particular, and, and we've seen a real regression in terms of the conduct of players, and, and that's one of the sort of the key milestones and the key indicators that we've seen um, as a really negative thing, sort of particularly in, sort of in the last five, six years. Well, thankfully, Nathan, the society seems to be moving towards a much better place in terms of inclusivity um, and diversity. Yeah. But when it comes to referees, it seems to me that no other part of society would tolerate the type of physical and verbal abuse that referees get on a weekly basis. It's almost a taboo. People aren't talking about it. Yeah. Well, I have to, I, yeah. I mean, I, I completely agree. And, and I think it's one of these things that every now and then you'll see a video come out of something that, that's happened on a football pitch where a referee's been attacked or assaulted. But, you know, 
Martin's Martin's obviously got the hotline with ref support, and and he I'm sure he'll tell you you know they're getting calls on a regular basis about things that don't make the media. I mean, in the immediate weeks, a couple of weeks after the sort of the last major one that hit the headlines with BBC News and things like that, Martin was telling uh, Ant and myself about we've had a call from this guy who's had. Yeah, I think it was one that had been sort of assaulted and had a perforated eardrum or something like that. And things like that just happen on a weekly basis that don't make the headlines. And I think that that's a real sadness that it's going on in one area or another all around the country, week in, week out. Mm, yeah. just, I was going to say, just just, just that, uh, to, to add on to that, uh, I was contacted by um, a guy a few weeks ago, just before Christmas, who had been involved in uh, an assault. He'd been assaulted on the, on the field. He was a referee. Uh, he'd reached out to me um, to, for, for support through the referee forum. I believe I shared that with Martin and Nathan at the time to say, oh, look, this has happened. Um, I offered him the support, gave him the, the network that he needed to go through, made sure he reported it to the police and to the FA and that he got support um, through the, the, the normal channels, if you like. Um, but... In this instance, the normal channel said, Shh, just, just keep that to yourself. We'll deal with it. Shh, don't, don't tell anyone else. I had a video. We said, don't, don't share the video. Just keep that to yourself. And it, it feels like, yes, whilst there is um, a, a framework to deal with uh, indiscipline on the football field towards match officials, there's also a, if we don't talk about it, we don't have to acknowledge that it happens to the extent that it does and with, with the frequency that it does as well. And not just with assaults on referees, but also all forms of discipline within the football uh, system, within the English FA speaking from experience, it's all done behind closed doors and it's all very secretive. If a player is punished for a red card offence, if it's an extraordinary offence that has been committed that, that needed another misconduct report on top, very rarely will a referee be informed about the outcome of the, uh, of the disciplinary that that player has had. Unless the referee actively seeks out what happened afterwards, after the hearing, after the misconduct or uh, the trial, whatever, it's forgotten about. It's like, well, oh, don't worry about it. We sorted it out. Okay, well, what have you done? Ah, don't worry about it. It's, it's that sort of attitude towards discipline, this closed doors, the don't worry, you know, wink, wink, we've sorted it out, that I feel needs to change. Because uh, if, if we don't talk about it, then it's not being acknowledged in the wider football community that it is in fact happening. All you need to do is have a look on social media. When a video is posted where a referee gets assaulted, uh, if it's on a, a page that's not specifically for referees, many, many of the comments would go, oh, I'd love to do that to a ref. Or they'll, they'll tag the mates and go, oh, do you remember that ref that sent me off? I'd have loved to have done that to him. And it's things like that. Can you imagine if someone said that about a police officer? They said, oh, I'd love to smash a cop's face in openly on, on a social media forum, uh, on Twitter, on Facebook, YouTube, wherever. You have so many people condemning it, but it seems to have the opposite effect when it's a referee as the victim. Everyone's like, yeah, do you know what? God, I'd have loved to have done it. And all the other people that will just support that attitude, I think fundamentally is, is one of the things that really needs to change. I think one of the things as well why Nationwide have got involved with the FA Respect campaign and launched these awards, they actually produced some research a couple of months ago when they launched the partnership with the Football Association, the Respect campaign. And it said that 66% of the British public say that levels of disrespect have become unacceptable and 71% feel that the problem has worsened over the last couple of years. And in the same research, 80% uh, of those surveyed said that public figures 
are responsible for setting a good example. And 63% believe that footballers should set a good example by showing respect on the pitch. You know, and the referee um, and football, just a, a reflection really of those figures in society. And if uh, disrespect is becoming more prevalent in society, we probably shouldn't expect uh, it, it should be similar and it will be similar in football and for a referee as well. Mm, it's it's interesting when you mentioned Portsmouth University. That's Dr. Tom Webb and his team, who um, he's been on a podcast. It was a wonderful podcast, having Tom on. When we met him as a charity, we, we got a meeting with Martin Glennon and the senior staff of the FA two years ago now, before Martin left, obviously. And we brought Tom with us to Wembley. And I think they were shocked at the fact that he had this real academic, you know, information and research totally independent that proves there was a bigger problem out there than, than the FA thought. And I, that isn't the FA's fault. We know there's wonderful people at the FA and there's Tim Foster now who's there who's really has become a light at the end of the tunnel. You know, it is it is fair to say that the salts are going up and behaviour is becoming terrible. But on the vast majority of games, everyone loves their games. There's nothing better than getting 22 handshakes, having a pasty or a pie after the, after the game in the bar, which we're all missing that side of football too. And having these people realise it, which didn't seem to be happening, is really helping. And he, he you know, you know, Tim Foster and people at the FA were trying to do things much better. And then having someone like a wonderful organisation like Nationwide to really get behind it. You know, I remember seeing people in, in banks getting stick one of our trustees was in the banking industry for 20 odd years, was always getting stick. So I think it's fair to say that football does reflect society. And it's just it's just wonderful to see someone like you behind you know such a great cause and really hope that it really brings it to another level with the FA. It's a really good point you make, Martin. And I think, you know, even at that level that you talk about in branches and um, of, of, of nationwide, but obviously other high street outlets as well, particularly during... Um, after lockdown and during this pandemic, I think people have, have, um, have I think people have struggled and they've taken that frustration out on people within the store who are just simply trying to do a job. And I think we could all be more aware. Um, in fact, I was talking to uh, Chris Kamara just the other day, and he was saying he said that he was doing a broadcast recently and got very emotional because. He remembered a situation from his childhood where he'd received abuse. And, you know, Chris is you know, a grown man, obviously, now. And he's, you know, he's, this, this, this incident happened decades ago. Yet it forced him to be emotional decades later, many, many uh, years later. And I think we have to be really careful about our choice of words and how we interact with people. Because as Chris demonstrated in that story that he told me, Things can come back and have an impact many, many years later, just simply by the words that people use and by their actions. And I think it's the very same with referees as well. I, I, I remember as a young referee and also not, a not so young referee, situations on the field of play, they can be in my mind for the next day, two days, week, couple of weeks. I'm thinking about the situation and how somebody's reacted to me and how um, potentially on. Uh, you know, unnatural that reaction was and how unnecessary uh, that reaction was. And people's actions and people's words can have a very, very detrimental effect. Mm. Absolutely. It's something we've touched upon in a, in a previous episode. And you, you, you talk about, yeah, you, you drop a clanger, you will remember it for days and weeks. 
I uh, the the worst thing that's happened to me is a captain of a, a football team came into the dressing rooms where I was uh, assistant referee, um, and he jabbed me in the chest. He was talking, he was shouting at me because I'd flagged for an offside, and he was jabbing me in the in the chest, poking me. That was about twelve years ago, and I still remember so much of that incident because at the time, I, I didn't expect it. I was still very relatively new to refereeing but when when someone crosses the line to that extent in terms of getting physical getting hands-on with you like that it's something that will stay with you so much more afterwards now the referees that get more than a jab the ones that get a slap or a kick or all this sort of stuff they'll remember that for the rest of their lives and and that's something that i think like you say it needs to be acknowledged that yeah sure the actions have consequences to a huge extent there but but so do words. Uh, you know, you, you think you're just abusing a ref in one game with a throwaway comment, but, you know, that comment might be something that that referee dwells on for a long time afterwards. And that's that's really mentally damaging in the in the short term and potentially in the long term with, with the effects of that. I, I think a lot of people just don't take the time to acknowledge that those words, even though they are throwaway comments most of the time, do you have consequences and uh, people just, it, it winds me up that I mean, again, things have been said to me um, when I've been a bit chunkier being fat and people have called me fat and I've thought, yeah, you know what? Yeah, they're right. And and that has had uh, an impact on my kind of self-perception of, of, of how I look to the world. And at the time I wasn't that fat. I'm well fatter now, but at the time, <laughs> at the time I was just, I was like, I've always been built big from the gym um, and I was regularly going to the gym four or five times a week then. So I was in good shape, but it's one of those things when you're a bigger person, if they throw that at you, the body dysmorphia kind of thing in the back of your head will kick in and go, if they think you're fat, so does everyone else. And that's, and that's really, really gets in your head. I think it would really help if more players actually just tried to referee. I'm not saying necessarily take up the whistle, but actually just have the experience of trying to manage a game of 22 people. Because what they would realize really quickly is that referees love the game as much, if not more than they do. Mm-hmm. And when, when a referee leaves a match, he doesn't just forget about it. He just doesn't wipe the slate clean. If players think that referees go home and they don't think about the game that they've just refereed because they weren't, in inverted commas, involved in it and they weren't part of one of the teams, then obviously they're, they're, they're delusional and they are very misled because referees take the game and their performance really seriously. And just like any performance of any individual in any occupation, we'll get mistakes, we'll make mistakes, we'll make, we'll get decisions right but we won't get everything right and I think players need to understand that you know we will take that back home with us and we will ruminate on it for a day maybe a week maybe longer and as you pointed out there an incident like that is still with you 12 years ago and the 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 insults that you received about your appearance you know that would have affected your self-confidence and would have affected your performance on the field we have to be really so careful with our actions, but particularly our words. I remember, um, I think it was just before Christmas, it might have been November time, uh, Andrew Freddie Flintoff did a, a wonderful documentary uh, for the BBC talking about, um, I think it was bulimia he'd been battling with throughout his 
professional career as a test cricketer, you know, when right at the sort of at the peak of his career when you talk about 2005 Ashes victory and things like that, he, he, he was at that time saying, well, yeah, you know, I think he, he I think he said he got out at Lords once and um, and he didn't go back to the dressing room. He went straight to the bathroom to to sort of, um, I suppose, you know, be safe. <clears throat> but I think it's really, really crucial that we, we think about a top-level guy like Andrew, who can can completely focus on cricket, but also have to deal with all of this stuff that's going on in the background. And I think that, you know, as a referee, you're not just concentrating on, on your own performance. As You know, you're concentrating on actually securing the safety of the 22 people on the pitch around you. It's not just about responsibility for your own performance. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, it, it's a real um, responsibility that we take on. You know, if you look in the laws of the game, you talk about the roles and the responsibilities of, a, of an official. And, and the facts are there are many. Um, and just obviously as well, to, to add to what Ant said, I, I, I was a manager came on the pitch and, and pushed me um, in my first season. Um, and that's the kind of thing that really, you know, I was very young then, I was 16 and, I I, um, I I didn't really think a lot about it because I was still trying to get to grips with learning the laws and learning how to referee. You know, I was just developing as a, you know, I must have only done maybe five or six games when this happened. And, you, you know, this is one of the things I'm really passionate about with the third team now is, is to try and make sure that we don't lose match officials because of experiences such as that and we give them the tools to deal with unpleasant situations like that because I think really I'm, I'm a big, big advocate of being proactive rather than reactive because sometimes when you have to react it's too late that referee might already be lost to the game yeah well obviously from my point of view and one of the messages that i want to try to get out there is that this new set of awards the mutual respect awards by nationwide is very much looking to celebrate not only players and clubs and officials but referees as well so if anybody listening to this podcast or watching this podcast thinks of a referee who's made an outstanding contribution, has gone above and beyond the call of duty uh, in recent times. I know we've had lockdowns and there hasn't been as much football as we would have all have liked, but please go to Nationwide's Facebook page and nominate somebody. You have to be over the age of 18 to nominate, um, but we would love to have lots of referee stories in there. We all know that refereeing is, you know, is an exemplary um, role to perform, and a really important role to perform. But we're looking for particular stories where referees may have done something particularly exceptional, which reflects the values of nationwide mutual respect and the nationwide mutual respect awards and the FA respect campaign. So I would love people to uh, go onto the Facebook page and nominate a local referee who has made a really outstanding contribution. What I'll do to make it easy for everyone that consumes this, if you're watching by Facebook or YouTube, that link will be down in the comments. And if you're watching in Spotify, click on the, um, the, the, the podcast and the information for the nationwide Facebook page will be contained there. Martin, I just wanted to add as well, because obviously we have talked about, and rightly so, because it doesn't get talked about enough, the, some of the, the negative aspects of refereeing, but we all know how exhilarating it be, can be. And there's no greater feeling than coming off a field where 22 players, the coaches and the people on the touchline say, thanks, referee, you made a real contribution to that game. You made the game better by being part of it. You know, that 
there aren't many greater experiences. And like like you guys, I've been lucky enough to play, referee, broadcaster, and administrator. I've been involved, fortunately, all my life. But when you come off the field and you've had what, in your opinion, is a really good performance and you've really helped that game, there aren't many better feelings, are there? Mm, that's true. No, I agree. And I, I could reel them off. And the reason we become so passionate, we're all different ages and I'm I'm really passionate about it. You don't only get passionate about something you enjoy, something you love. So when we do talk about, you know, the abuse, the assaults, yes, they're terrible. Yes, they're in a minority, but the minority is getting bigger. And the more we talk about it, people can be prepared to expect it and then be able to identify avenues like us and the FA with the respect campaign and mutual respect awards. There's something out there to help. And, and people need to understand that when it does happen to you, when we talk about it openly like this, it, it makes them think, oh, it's not just me. It's not just me. There are other people out there who are going through the same things. And therefore, it sort of diminishes it. It doesn't get rid of it. It diminishes the problem that actually there is someone out there I can relate to, I can talk to. And just today, a couple of hours ago on our Twitter account, to show you sort of what I mean. A lad called Ben, it's, it's in the open, so it's, it's not personal, tweeted us and said, oh, I'm going to be stepping back from your registration for a while. My sister's just suddenly died at the age of 18. And I was like, he's come to us. He tagged us in and he went directly to us. So I went back to him and said, look, you know, I lost my sister when I was 18. She was really young. I can really relate to you. Listen, sw let, let's swap messages. I'll give you my personal mobile number and we can talk. And he got back and said, oh, that's really, really helpful. That's a little small example of up to date. This has happened today where when you, you can talk about something you've experienced, it makes that journey that little bit easier. It makes the outcomes that little bit more positive. And then having something like this, this mutual respect awards is absolutely on the money. Brilliant for Nationwide, brilliant for the FA to embrace it. Because I want to just ask you a quick question, guys. And I know we're probably about to wrap up very soon, but I just want to ask you two things. One, how could, in your view, have you got one idea how we could potentially help grow the nationwide FA Respect campaign? But also, importantly, just on the back of what you just said there, Martin, about that young man that came to you looking for support, the network of support I had in Blackpool Referee Society, I know we're not living through normal times, but in normal times, when we don't have a pandemic, does the, society, does the Referee Society Network still exist and are there still places where referees can go locally and talk about the challenges that they had in a game the previous weekend? There, there is, but there's not enough. Some One of the problems the, the RA's got is that, um, although it's, a, it's an organisation that I fully support, and I think it's wonderful, is that some county FAs don't even have any branches they haven't got the people, people so busy now and it's so easy to access stuff online, like just tweet someone and you can get back to you immediately rather than waiting for the next month. And there is, there's all we ever hear is them closing down. We never hear, hear them open a new one. So that's the problem. And one of the reasons that we said um, as Ref Support UK is a registered charity that you don't pay to get our services. It's because sometimes people can't afford it. And then when you pay for something, people then go paid for that and it's being rubbish. So, what we've done, we've said, look, we're free to everybody. The 28,000 referees can come and access us. There's absolutely free of charge. Here's our messages, here's our numbers. But if you want online e-learning training, that costs us, and that's just £10 a year. So but people engage us because they can get answers quickly, and it doesn't escalate. It's a bit like you talk about bullying in school now. In school, if I had a, a row with someone in school, I'd go home, I'd go to bed, get it the next day, everything's forgot about. But now they go on social media 
and other people join in. And then by the time you get back to school the next day, it's that much worse. So social media, although it's got its real bad points, we've seen it with Caroline Flack blessing and people like that. It's got some wonderful, wonderful ways of keeping connected in a positive manner. And that's what we aim at. One of the reasons that our three platforms have exploded, so especially over the last couple of years, is because there hasn't been that immediate support network to the referees locally for them. So they've not got the society meetings, they've not got the the, the weekly kind of catch-ups, they're not but a lot of the young ones coming through haven't even got the monthly ones. They just won't join the society because they see it as old hat and and they don't like it. But they've all got Facebook, Twitter, uh, social media um so i mean but, but the referee forum has got eight thousand likes and a group with six thousand people uh, ref support again thousands of people liking the page even more in that group uh, and i know my metrics are about a quarter of all of the people that, that engage with my uh, channel uh, are from the uk and the rest are from around the world but even so if we take the, the numbers there thousands of uk-based referees are using my platform um, to, to interact with each other and, and share best practice and share uh, in match incidents and all that sort of stuff. That, that plugs a hole, but it, it, doesn't, it doesn't completely fill that void. It, yeah. it, it, it will never replace that in-person, um, the chance to network face-to-face, chance to, to build bonds and build friendships and all that sort of stuff that you would get with something like that. So if there's anything that nationwide and the FA are going to partner up and do I'd love to see some sort of uh, maybe quarterly or annual regional events where you can get to know the referees the match officials the 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 managers the coaches just bring them all together obviously in a global pandemic these things become very very difficult to do but in terms of post pandemic and, and a return to some form of normality um that would be a huge step in building bridges because at the moment, coaches isolated from referees, isolated from anyone else in the games, volunteers, uh, groundsmen, whatever you want, whatever your role is within the sport. Um, everyone kind of lives on their island and these islands only come together during the game of football and then they separate again. Well, wouldn't it be fantastic if there was more interaction between them, them all? The only time I've ever spent time in the same room as a coach or someone that wasn't a fellow match official was on a safeguarding course. And that was uh, like a, a couple of hours, uh, once every two or three seasons. And I would love it to be more, more uh, interaction between the, the different groups of people to say, we're not that different. Let's talk about what your frustrations are, what our frustrations are, how we can work together and make a mutual understanding of all the challenges that we face within the game and overcome them together. Not as a group of referees, not as a group of coaches or a group of players, but all together as, as one single entity of people who are who love the game. Yeah, all participants. And we, yeah. we, we, we do our managers' forums, um, Chris, where we've been doing it for a while. The Tool Station Western League is one of the leagues that's really embraced it. And we go to a club and we pay for the food and the or we, we pay for the venue and the league pays for the free food and tea and coffee. And then we have managers up there on a forum and we ask them all questions, you know, what do you like about us? What do we like about you or what we don't like? And we have an envelope and we put in the envelope three things. We write it even before the meeting starts, seals in an envelope, give it to a manager, so open that at the end of the meeting. We have a good hour and a half, really positive, talking about stuff we could do better as players and managers and referees. And then we write up what we've talked about on a, on a flip chart. Then we say to the manager, open the envelope. And when you open the envelope, there's always three things in there. It's all get the big decisions right, Tell us when you're wrong and communicate with us. 
Now, we then say, look, if we knew you were going to say that, we put it in an envelope before we started the meeting. And now you just said it. Where's the where's the bridge? Where, why aren't we? We both know what he wants. Why aren't we happy with each other? And I think with things like what Anthony just says, coming together where no one pays to go. You don't have to be a member of anyone. Just put on events, put good, good speakers on, have positive engagements. That'll really, really work. Nathan, did you have a thought on that? Yeah, well, this is one of the things I was going to say, and um, I think Martin touched on it just there. I, when I qualified, I didn't, I didn't join um, uh, a referees association brand, um, and, I, and I didn't really join one until I started taking referees seriously and wanted to start start climbing the ladder and things like that. And they, that, that's one of the real key messages that I would, I would say is that, that happily endorses the fact that it's about how we can um, how we can work together. I mean, one of the things I know that obviously you're a guy who maybe would, would be interested in how the campaign's going to look. And I think that one of the things that would be good for it to have would either to have to, to be to have a referee on the sort of, uh, you know, visual uh, media that, that, that's produced in, in conjunction with this, but also to have a referee potentially interviewed and being part of the, the video advertising campaign that you might be putting together for that kind of thing. because. Really, I think referees do need to be front and centre because they are probably the ones that have most to gain from this. Yes, we can improve respect between coaches and coaches and coaches and players and things like that and, and, and opposing teams. But I think referees are the ones that have the most to gain from it because they're the ones that are currently seeing the biggest lack of respect. Yeah, really interesting insight and feedback. And I'd love to get more from the referees that are watching and listening to this podcast via my Twitter or through you guys. Um, I really would. Um, just to leave you with a, a quote from the old Ipswich Town Chairman, Mr. Cobbold, and I'm sure we would love all players and managers that we referee to um, embrace this, but Mr. Cobbold of Ipswich Town, who was in charge of and owned Ipswich Town during Sir Bobby Robson's era, one of his famous sayings, one of his famous quotes was, the game is always bigger than the result. And it would be nice sometimes to recognise that the game is so important and without a referee, the game is impossible. I completely agree. Yeah. Completely agree, Chris. I agree, I agree. And um, and I want to thank you for, for all you're doing. And, and, and we're behind you. We're behind Nationwide. We're behind the FA up in the game at the Mutual Respect Awards. And and before you go, I was going to say it earlier. We, a while back, we there's a photograph we've got, and I'll send it to you. Um, and it's it's a referee called Joe. He was 16 at the time. And a young girl, she must be eight, had took a, a throw in, and it was a foul throw. So instead of punishing her, he, sh he showed her how to take it again. And there's a wonderful, wonderful photograph of Joe like this. And the little girl with a ponytail taking a photograph. That And w what we did, we found him. It was just, it was just a little photograph on, on online. We found him. One of our sponsors was a watch company called Limit. They agreed to send him a watch. Simple gesture. They got loads of traction. And that's what it's all about. That photograph really captures the mutual respect of what we want between players and referees. And I'll Martin, you and I think... That is what these awards are going to try to do. And they'll get better and they'll approve month on month and month. And we want more and more nominations. But if we can start to highlight really outstanding contribution and outstanding behavior in the community through the power of football, I think we could be onto a winner. 
And if we can start celebrating those stories and creating these 12 winners across the year, these 12 nationwide mutual respect award winners, creating this 12-person dream team and talking about their stories and showing people some of the great work that is being done by referees and young players and the sportsmanship and the behaviour um, of coaches, of parents, and shining a light on all the best practice and all the best behaviour, I think it could be the start of something quite good. So would you be? Fingers Thank crossed. You. All Thank, the you. Best. Thank you so much, guys. Good luck. Thanks very much, and see you all on the next episode of Referees, The Final Whistle.